I, I realize there are women out there who are like me, who like to troll too, and who doesn't care what people think. If I can find a girl like that, that'd be dope. If I could find four girls like that, that'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Table Moments, the homies podcast where we talk about random crazy ideas. We talk about anything and everything, but no politics. I'm your host and captain, Ayman. We also have the kid brother, Bilal, Texas transplant, soon to be Ayman transplant as well. I haven't really started packing, but I don't have much, so I'm thinking I'm just going to Airbnb. Do you know, remember that post I told you about the Craigslist stuff where it sounded too good to be true? Yeah, was it? Yeah. I mean, apparently it's a common scam thing where they're like, hey, you reply to the email on Craigslist and Craigslist has like a, they have a way to anonymize your email. So they're, they act as an in-between. And typically yeah. these posts after they get your email routed through Craigslist say, hey, send me your email so we can talk directly and I can send you more information. And when you do that, mm-hmm. then they'll give you some bullshit about, hey, I'm out of town. I have this person who's trying to rent this place for me. I just need all this information from you. Basically like name, age, home address, email, all this personal information. And then also I'm gonna need a deposit to hold your place or whatever. And then they'll say they scam people. So listeners, if you are looking on Craigslist, a lot of, dude, a lot of them are that way. It's crazy. So I think I'm just gonna Airbnb, which isn't too bad actually. I'm thinking that gives me freedom to move. Now it's just a matter of staying really light, so not having too many things. Just Airbnb, and then if I feel Dallas, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do a, a month in Dallas. And, you know, when you do Airbnbs for a month, you get a, a monthly discount, typically. It's a pretty mm. big discount. So, and then if I'm like, hey, I could check out Dallas, what rent looks like when I'm there, see which places I want to stay, and if I'm not feeling it, I can go try something else. And, you know, like, I, I think I could just do that, just every month spend a month in a different city if I wanted to. Yeah, come to San Antonio for a month. Yeah, I could. Get an Airbnb there. Then check out Houston, Airbnb there. Maybe go to yeah. Southern Texas, check that out. Maybe even go yeah. to like Arkansas or Nashville. Maybe even document it all as part of Table Moments and just like, hey, here's what to know about the city. I, t- I spent a month in Houston. Here's all the things you got to know. Wait, so you, you, you still have money like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? How do you yeah, not have you, money? How do you not I, have money? I, I, how much do you save? <laughs> Is it like you've been you've you been having no job since three years? No, no, no. It was a year. It's been. It's gonna be a year and a half. I don't know yeah, why you're thinking still... three years. No, I mean like I don't spend money. I don't have any debt. I don't spend money crazy. My monthly expenses are about maybe if it's a high month, twenty five hundred. So. Like, obviously, it's going to be increasing as I do this, like, Airbnb thing. But even then, like, if you do the math on that, what's 2500 Even, and, even just, yeah, whatever. Plus, I have cushion, and I have some, I, I do. Yeah, that's my problem right now. I think I have too much money that I can just chill. <laughs> and so, I, I think I have to burn it. It was, it was too much money. So much that I am not motivated to make more. What does that even mean? I'm curious. No, no, see, all right, so my monthly expenses at if on a really high month are about 2500 right? But even then, it's lower. I mean, it's not that expensive to live if you, I don't know, I don't have debt, so, and I don't spend money on stupid shit typically. So I'm, I'm saying, like, 
I don't care. Here's my problem. I don't care about money, right? I have a few problems, actually. <laughs> I don't care about money. I don't care to buy things I don't need because I only buy things when I absolutely need them. Or if they're going to be something stupid, it's going to be something from the thrift store that costs a few bucks here or there. It's not a big deal. I have enough savings that I'm not motivated to make more. So it's mm -hmm. like I don't have that desperate desperation that a lot of people have. And so that's why I'm like, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. And that's a problem because I'm like, you know, it's hard to be motivated. That's why I'm like looking for either I have to find a deeper purpose, which I've been trying to do, or burn the money I have some way to that or put it somewhere I can't use it, lock it up so that uh, that desperation, I have that desperation again. Not even ever I've ever been desperate since my first job. I haven't had to worry about money because I've you know always what, lived a humble you know what life. You said, yes, uh, give me your money. Yeah. Build back up again. That's not going to help you, though. That's not going to help you. No, it'll, it'll help my investments. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Because, like, I think part of learning and how to invest is getting burned and feeling the pain sometimes. That just delays your learning, you know? I'm feeling that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm it's it's okay. Right now. It's okay because you're young. So it's like you don't even have to worry about it. As long as you don't, like, you got to be careful with debt and margin. But I don't think you're in that deep with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, mistakes are just learning opportunities. And then you learn to, I think it's better where you are because you're, you have a bias towards risk. And my problem is I have a bias away from risk, which is why I do like the motorcycle riding and stuff to like push myself towards that. So since you have a bias towards risk, risk now you just need practice to discern when risk is appropriate and when it, it isn't. And then also understanding that as a whole, if the investments that you're making, you're going to realize that most of the investments you're making won't turn out well, but the ones that do will make up for all the losses. And I think you're learning that lesson slowly. So. It's a, it's a, I, I don't think it is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing that you're learning this when you're young. So, mm. you know, so it's just yeah, a price. Yeah, is real, bro. You know yeah. <laughs> so, I fucked up, like, with my Johnson Johnson money. Mm -hmm. I, I gained nothing out of it. Legit mm -hmm. nothing. Working there for a year, making uh, 80000 I ended up with zero, bro. Actually ended it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I put a lot of money in crypto. It turned yeah, out. Yeah, it's it's okay. I think. I mean, like you have to understand, most people. If you're young. It's okay to make mistakes. Even I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's just learning experience. Which I mean, a lot of people got burned in crypto. So even the smartest people got burned in crypto. You're young. You'll recover. You'll bounce back. And you're actually. It seems like the at least all the ways I've looked into it, the the best way to build wealth is starting businesses, which you're already starting. So mm -hmm. I think. Investment's nice. It's a good thing to do when you have a lot of money. You got to mm -hmm. make it work for you. But the way the people even get money in the first place before they become investors is usually by starting a business. So it's like literally every story I see, it's like no one started off as an investor unless they were born into money or something, which is almost mm -hmm. never the case. So I think that's the way to do it. And I'd rather focus on the business part. I, the investing thing, like, I don't know, I, I see the value of it, but I don't know. Like, I don't care about money like that. So that's my problem. I got to fix that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. <sighs> yeah. So, I don't know. I want to be, you know, feeling free. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. feel free yet. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't want to have to work. Like, you know, uh, someone we know just got laid off from my company. Oh, really? Yeah. So, it's it's 
tough now because, like, my manager would be like, hey, um, I need to talk to you. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh. She's saying this to me now? What the fuck? When, when the homie just got laid off, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, yeah, it, it's just like a lot of pressure. And then I was like, she sent me a uh, 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 mean invite. I was like, fuck no, I don't want to click on this shit. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to come up with an excuse, and I was like, "You know what? Fuck it. If it if it happens, it happens." I go into the car, and obviously, just was telling me to like, uh, "Uh, yeah, I have some bad news for you." I was like, "Um, okay." By the way, I came in with hell again. I was like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" You know, I'm uh, saying her name. How you doing? You know, what I'm saying, "Hope your day's well." All that, you know, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, stay in the company. You feel me? Yeah. Um, but she she was like, yeah, I have some bad news. Um, and you're not going to like to hear this. I was like, oh, okay, uh, what is it? You know? And then it's like, yeah. So um, I had to lay off this person. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I wanted to let you know because you brought him in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to also let you know that you're safe. Uh, Damn. And I was like, I, I knew the homie got laid out because he called me uh, mm. beforehand, before that meeting. So I, I already knew, like, what was, what was going on. And so that, that call was just scary. I'm just like, the fuck? I don't ever want to feel like this ever again. Like, fuck this job. Fuck all this. I need to make my money before before I, you know, I get kicked out. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Damn. So, Did they just yeah. let him go because he was the newest on the team? He he was uh, one of the newer ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the funny thing is they, they hired more people and they just realized that, oh, they shouldn't have. They they hired more people than they should have. Mm. So there's a disconnect with the management and, and the team, like the managers and the team. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And so at first they're told, yeah, it's okay to, to hire people. And then... The the management team they don't let them know until like before it's too, like it's already too late. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, like it's it's basically departments not communicating with each other. Like compensation department not letting know the uh, recruiting department. Like well, look, you can't uh, use up this budget. Um, you have to hold. You have to freeze all your roles and all your mm-hmm. racks and um, lay out some people because we're over. Budget or something like that. I'm just like, the fuck? Like, you fucking up like people's a... lives just doing that. Yeah. Y'all could have just communicated that early hand. Honestly, it's <laughs> just a lot has to do with communication and organization, which is a problem in the company. So That's common for any big company. The bigger problem, the systemic thing, was low interest rates. Low interest rates. That was the problem. Because of low interest rates, these tech companies that are based on software and you know, they project the value 10 years out. And if you do the discount rate, so basically the price of money as time goes on, if you have a low interest rate, you can project that the valuations of these companies are going to be much higher. But if the interest rate is, if the interest rate is high or gets, is increased, then when you do the math and project what the discount rate is for the company and what the valuation of the company is going to be, it's going to be a lot lower because the price of money uh, declines faster than they expect. And so they don't have the valuations that they were expecting. So all the hiring that they were doing, planning for the next five years based on these low interest rates, 
are now being raised, these interest rates raised, which means the future valuations are going to be lower, which means the headcount that they have is not going to be able to pay for itself those years down. All because of interest rates. That's how crazy mm. all this shit is. That's how crazy. And yeah, there's a delay. And that's why you see it all happen to all companies at the same time. It's because it's yeah. all governed by this. It's wild, man. I wish people understood finance a little better because like, especially with these growth stocks, especially software companies, because it's easy to, I mean, they're relatively easier than other companies to scale up because it's just code. Like if it's infrastructure or something, like you're building cars, Tesla, whatever, you're buying all this capital equipment that you're planning. And so you have to be conservative. You have to be conservative about how you spend money because you're making a big, deep investment and there's no takebacks when you buy equipment, right? But with software, people are disposable. And so that's, that's what they've done. Hire a bunch of people. Oh, our bad. We hired too many. Let's just fire them all. It's like, what the fuck, man? I don't know. Like, that's literally that's happening what, to every software company. Every single one. Every single one. Like, just like, I'm, getting, I'm getting messages after messages from my team. Like, oh, this, these people laid off thousands. These people laid off. And they're like all big tech companies and even startups and, you know, people we clear recruit from. But at the moment, we're, we're on freeze. So we can't, we can't hire people either. And we were laying on people too. Yeah. It's a vicious so, feedback cycle too. Cause like it, it affects all companies. They all do layoffs at the same time. Now you have all these people who need jobs, which also is going to affect you too. It's going to affect you too. Even if you still have a job, because that means it raises for next year are going to be much lower if there are raises at all, because yeah. there's way more talent out there who needs jobs. The demand has shifted. It used to be employers needed people. Now people need employers, all because of a small interest rate shift. It's crazy the impact a government can have. Not even a government, a central bank. Like, man, I don't know, dude. It's wild. And that's the problem with cheap money. It lets people grow way bigger than they should. Maybe that's sort of- Is it interest rate or is it inflation? Because of inflation, the government's worried that um, the money, money's being inflated too quickly. It's losing value too quickly. And so they're increasing interest rates to slow that down, to increase mm. the value of money. And so uh, that's what's happening. They're, they don't want to debase of, the currency. Of interest rates of uh, mortgages? No, interest rates of money itself. That uh, affects mortgage, mortgages too. So like the, the Fed funds rate is what the central bank says they're going to be charging banks. So they print and send money to banks, all the banks that we use, big banks, whatever at a certain interest rate. And so this is the Federal Reserve. So, so uh, like loans you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Or get, loans. Yeah? Okay. Loans too. Everything gets affected by the price of money because it's all based on what the Fed funds rate is. So the Fed funds rate is what the Federal Reserve, you've probably seen them like a clip on Twitter or whatever where they're talking about, yeah, we're going to be increasing the interest rate, the Fed funds rate by 25 basis points or whatever. They're talking about fractions of a percent here. And so that Fed funds rate affects all other mortgage, all other loans because loans are based on that in initial interest rate. So like if, yeah. they, if they give the money to, if the Federal Reserve gives the money to a bank at like, let's say 2%, then the bank is probably, if you get a mortgage from them, they're going to add another 2% on that so that they could pay for yeah. the 2% and then also make some money. And so money, yeah. 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 So the mortgage will probably be like 4% interest rates or something no probably a little That's higher than crazy. that crazy so yeah yeah it's worse it's worse if, especially if you have a mortgage 
You're not at a fixed rate. You're uh, at a, what's it called? Variable interest. Variable interest, exactly. That's yeah. that's the way it really can fuck you up. Yeah, that's why they, those were really dangerous in 2008. Because, like, um, they were packaging these mortgage. I don't know. I don't, never mind. I don't yeah, want to go into the I, whole financial I, thing. I, I know about it, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, interest rates affect everything. Now, it's good for people who locked in interest rates at before they started increasing the, the interest rate. But here's the problem. When interest rates lower, people take on loan. Their people qualify for larger loans because the interest is lower, right? If you lower the interest and the principal is the same, then that means you can actually afford more, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that does is actually inflates asset prices by lowering the interest rate. People can borrow more, which means then they there's more demand for the things assets. Think housing, think stocks, whatever. Um, then that means the prices of those increase too because there's more demand and there's more money in the system because more people borrowed more money and but then the problem is now when you raise interest rates it's you can borrow less money you qualify for a lower loan which means people who have debt are locked in but that means there's less money in the system because fewer people can borrow less money which means there's less demand which means the prices of things go down and that's the dangerous spiral this can that can happen what happens if there's less demand for housing, all these people who bought homes at this higher, when the interest rates were lower, pay, may have overpaid for their home. In a new interest rate environment where interest rates are higher and there isn't as much demand, they might be underwater on their loan. And that's the dangerous thing. And then that's this feedback cycle of, okay, now you get foreclosures, you get stock, the stock market crashing because interest rates are higher. And so there's less borrowing, there's less trading on margin, there's less demand. People are hoarding cash now because by raising interest rates, you're basically you're basically increasing the price of money. You're saying money is worth more now. So it makes more sense to keep money, to have cash. And so people are have less demand for things, which means assets go down the prices the demands for assets go down which means the price of them go down and that's why it can also lead to a stock market crash a housing crash all this so it's like it's all directly related to each other and that's why it was so dangerous when they dropped interest rates at like zero basically they were giving money away for free because of the 2008 housing crash and we never paid the price for that and we might pay the price now and it's dangerous a lot of people lose jobs it's a lot of people might lose their homes savings and investments could drop. You see it happening in crypto right now. Like people don't have free money anymore or they don't have um, available cash and they need it now. They're losing their jobs, whatever. So they sell their whatever things that they got. A lot of people put their money in crypto. And so you see the crash of that. You know, it's it's all tied together. That's what I'm saying. So it's a dangerous thing. But it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But I don't know. But then, you know, People say stupid things like, let's print more money. That doesn't solve your problem. There's really only two ways to, to get out of this problem. And that is to either make more with the same amount of resources or make the same amount of things with less resources. If you could do both, that would be perfect. That would be great. But it's typically hard to do both at the same time. So it's really hard to make more with less resources. Basically, we just, this is where technology comes in. That's why people say technology is deflationary. It means that you can afford more things because technology has made it easier to make things. And so that's why it's like one way to get out of this is by having better technology to make everything that much cheaper to make and produce. Um, But 
I don't think people understand that. So they're like, print more money. Print more. No, 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 no. Elon knows what he's doing. That's what he's doing. It's technology that's going to save us from all the bad monetary policies we've had. But that's as far as I'm going to get into the politics. <laughs> so um, it affects private companies too? Yeah, because uh, big companies actually borrow money. They borrow, especially like um, heavy manufacturing ones, they borrow money. Like automotive companies, they borrow money. Energy companies, they all, they all borrow money. The idea is they borrow money and they make products or services that they hope to sell. And then they get money from that to pay off the money that they borrowed and then hopefully have a profit. And so, yeah, it affects them too, which means the prices of everything go up because of this too. So you see how it fucks people really hard? It affects industry, so it makes everything cost more, but then there's less demand and or people lose their jobs. And so they don't have the money to buy those things. And so the companies can't make the profits that they're expecting. So they downsize. And so it's supposed to all balance out in the end, hopefully. But that takes time. There's lag that, I don't know, it, it sometimes takes a year, two years, hopefully six months if government doesn't get in the way. But that's usually the pain. And it's like, can people make it through the pain? It's dangerous. It's dangerous stuff. A lot of people get affected by the shit. Especially yeah, people I'm who, on, who... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to predict that this is going to happen in uh, March. It's going to get even worse in March. Yeah, probably is. Probably is. Yeah, I think the only way to get out of it is to grow out of it. Literally just technology. But I don't, I don't know if people have the imagination for that. Yeah. Except Elon. <laughs> it's only Elon. It's crazy that we used to have two visionaries in this country. Two. And then Steve Jobs died. And so now we only have Elon. It's crazy. I know. That's where my mind's been on all this. And I'm just like, why aren't there more people like that who just realize there's certain things that need to exist and they'll make it happen, even if it comes with a lot of pain and hardship and probably likelihood of failure. Apparently, that's what Elon was expecting. He was expecting both SpaceX and Tesla, a high likelihood of failure. Somehow things worked out. I've been thinking about this and I'm like, why can't I be one of those? You know, why can't I think bigger? I think... I'm not going to be doing anything like that, rockets or spaceships or anything like that. But there's some things I care about that, or at least you see how outspoken I am with these videos, right? And mm -hmm. it would be nice if I can give people a voice or at least give them some livelihood so they don't have to worry about being canceled. The whole canceling thing. If I can solve that problem, I'd call my life a success. Solve mm -hmm. the canceling problem. Because then that lets people be free to think and dream and do the crazy things. And I think... And that's hard for most people to have the courage to do when your money is dependent on some employer who might just let you go, you know, mm -hmm. because they hear you say something or whatever. And so it's like a lot of people are living lives, basically subtle fear, subtle fear, right? Just like afraid to say the wrong thing. They can't speak their mind. They can't explore ideas. They can't pursue crazy ideas without a bunch of people either telling them that they're wrong or getting in their way, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm living the life right now where I'm gonna burn or at least burn these social bridges, whatever there are. And then I'm gonna have to solve this problem of cancellation. How do I make money in a world where people hate me? You know, if I can solve mm -hmm. that, that's a, I think it means everyone after me never has to deal with that problem again. And then everyone can speak their mind, be free. And then imagine what the things that they do or pursue. Which are going to be good and bad, but I think it's better to have that liberty than not. So, mm. And I think I can build tech to help support it, you know? Mm -hmm. so that's my idea. Like, my aspirations are not in the stars, but they're down here on Earth. And then if I solve that problem, maybe I make a lot of money doing it too. That'd be nice. Not that I even care about it. It would just be 
it would justify all I'm doing, I guess. Not even, I don't even care about the justification part because I know it'd be right to do. I don't know. I've been having these thoughts lately, just like, you know, how do I have impact? And because I was thinking like with the YouTube thing, I was talking about like making longer form videos, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, if the YouTube thing takes off and I do make money from YouTube, then I would have to donate it all. I have to donate it because the trap a lot of people get into is they they start earning the money and then they're afraid to lose it. They're afraid to lose it. And so then that's when they start censoring themselves. That's when they start watching or editing their things so they don't say the wrong thing or whatever. I get it. There are terms of service that will just get you banned automatically. But if you're afraid of a sponsor dropping you because you like the lavish lifestyle that you're living because of your YouTube earnings or sponsorships or whatever, that kills your message. And I don't want to get into that trap. But at the same time, I understand you have to feed the beast. Mm -hmm. These social platforms need to make money. And they have no incentive to keep you on if you don't monetize with them. So feed the beast, but also don't become a slave to it. And so my conclusion is, if I ever earn money from this stuff, I have to donate it. And then I was thinking about, all right, what kind of donations could I do? So I could just give the money to whatever charities or whatever, but I have a thing about charities. I, I think I've talked, have I talked about it on the podcast? How I feel about charities? I'm, I don't remember. So, I mean, like, ch it, charities suffer from an incentives problem where they usually start to solve some problem. So people get together, they raise some funding, which gives them the money to make this a full-time thing for them. And so now it's become a job. And once you've created a job that someone's dependent on, they won't let go. So if this charity, let's say to solve homelessness in whatever city, they form a charity, they raise funding, all that, then they start tackling the problem. If they were ever to actually solve the homelessness in that city, then they have no reason to exist. So essentially, <laughs> they're deciding if they succeed, they put themselves out of a job, which is why they never do. They never succeed because it's become a job. And so really, all you're doing mm. is funding jobs and not actually solving yeah. the real problem. So I'm like, okay. I Now, there are some exceptions. Like Habitat for Humanity, they build houses and they basically make it affordable for people to get into those homes. They don't give them away for free, but they make them affordable. Like Muslim families sometimes go to Habitat because of uh, the usury. What's the Muslim word for for interest? Forget it. I saw uh, it. Uh, it's uh, riba. Riba. Yeah, riba. And so they go to Habitat so they could get an interest-free loan on the house or pay off the house that way. And that's the way they get around it. But I was thinking, okay... What if I could just funnel the money into something like that or maybe start an organization where we either build homes specifically for Muslims who, who can't buy houses using interest? Because I was thinking it's a, it's a tough position if you're if you're Muslim and you decide you're not going to use riba to, it's to fund super you. tough. Yeah, because everyone else is using interest. Yeah. So they're borrowing money. They're they're paying interest. And so they can afford much more. They're borrowing way more. And so like if you decide to be the one person who says, yo, I'm not going to participate in this. According to my religion, it's it's sinful for me to participate in any form of usury, this riba, this interest. And so now I have to have all the money or someone has to lend me the money without hoping to make money off of it. And no one's going to lend money without, no bank, no financial institution would ever lend money for nothing, for no interest. So you have to either save up the money or find charities who are willing to work with you. And so that's where I would come in and be like, okay, all this excess money, 
even if it's from the business or whatever, you know, from the media stuff, it, any excess money, we put it into this system so that we can purchase these homes or maybe even help construct these homes and then give it to them interest-free and so they can live in these homes. So essentially, like, make a Islamic banking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really talking about that with uh, my roommate. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because that's a huge problem for Muslim community, right? We don't yeah. have really much people to go to. Um, we don't have that. Uh, it's it's hard for us to, to build a business without having more money, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing we thought about is, like, what if we did um, loans in terms of equity, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So um, if you're going to start a business, we'll give you um, money and uh, we we get equity off your business, um, depending on the business. Or uh, we pay we pay for the full amount, and then um, you, you pay with the summation of like a extra for like we charge you two thousand um, dollars for this loan, and then you just mm-hmm. uh, pay off the loan. You know, type something mm-hmm. like that. That'd be dope. But yeah, that's my idea with if this ever makes money, funnel it into something. So I don't become a slave to it and I could put the money to good use. I don't know, man. I don't know. Crazy. Yeah. Um, man, honestly, me and Omar, um, we just seeing how this uh, business that we're doing right now is becoming more tough because uh, the numbers are not adding up to what it's supposed to be. Um and and I'm pretty sure it's due to the interest rates on uh pretty much what you talked about you know and mm-hmm. we're just like fuck like how do we get out of this situation um do you guys have anyone who's good with spreadsheets or financial models on your team no I think that might be useful because like there are businesses that operate right that are doing what you guys yeah. are. so somehow they're making it work. They're making it work, yeah. So it's just a matter of like learning what they're doing that you're not doing, or what you're doing that they're not doing. Yeah. Maybe exactly. if you could pick their brain for a bit, I don't know if it's even worth it. But if you can get a lunch meeting with one of them, just like, hey, I'd love to take you out for lunch and and just ask you a few questions if you're available. And then obviously mm-hmm. you pick up the tab, and if you can find a mentor for this stuff, I think that would, which is a hard thing to do, especially if you guys operate in the same city, you know. But yeah. But who knows? Maybe it's someone old. Maybe there's someone old, an uh, older operator who's just ready to retire. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, you know, and then maybe he can teach you. I don't know. It, I think it would just really be valuable because if other people are doing it, then it's just a matter of figuring out what you guys are doing wrong to make it work. If it's volume, yeah. then it's just a matter of like growing fast. If it's operations, then you got to figure out how to be more lean and work faster or better. If it's relationships getting enough clients then that's like building more relationships with homes and stuff to figure out transportation you know those things because mm-hmm. it, it seems like one of those things where like once you have an established clientele then maybe you're the go-to for them you know mm-hmm. but the hardest part might be the beginning where it's just like a struggle because yeah. you're still making mistakes and maybe you're not as good as the competition right now so mm-hmm. That could be yeah, it's just that we're not as big, you know, so we can't handle the volume. Um, oh, there's, there's a lot of volume. Yeah, I think uh, they just, they're probably not trusting us because we are small. I don't know. Mm. 
I need to look do more into uh ask a lot more questions and try to get um find out like what's wrong with and and I just I just did the numbers earlier today. I was just like really disappointed looking at the numbers. Very discouraging. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I just need to tackle it a different way. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing, like starting a business. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot of hats to wear. There's a lot of things that you don't know that might burn you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, can you make it through it? If you can make it through it and learn, slowly improve, somehow things end up working out eventually. Or maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out, so I got nothing to give you right now. But yeah, um, you think I could show it to you? And then, yeah, we could talk about it maybe sometime this weekend. Feel free. Okay. Sounds good. Oh, by the way, you could stay at my apartment um, for four months if you want. Really? Yeah. Omar said he, he he's cool with that, too. What? Don't you guys have a two-bedroom? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm too old to be sleeping on couches, man. No, you can sleep in my room. Nah, it's all good. I, I think I'm at a point where I want to go back to living by myself again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a lot easier when you bring a girl over when it's your place, you know? <laughs> 100%. Dude, yeah. yeah, man. Like, I've had to stick with like girls who have their own places, which makes it a lot harder. Yeah, a lot harder. So you never brought a girl over one time, and then I was like, never again. It was <laughs> weird around girls, man. Who? Akum? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this shit again. <laughs> plus, <laughs> oh, man. and then plus, I have the bedroom upstairs. And then my bathroom's the one that's downstairs, right? Yeah. So I'm like, how how does this gonna play out? I'm like, okay, after we enjoy ourselves, then I'm like, go downstairs, clean up, like, and then sh- and then running into like, no, that's just. I'm on this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I it's guess like I could if I really would. I know. And it's just like, dude, this is I'm. I'm like, oh, nah, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to make her do that. So, and plus, I don't have a TV in my room or anything. It's literally just a bed. Know. It's for sleeping. I can't even entertain them there. So I'm just like, all right. So if I'm going to entertain them, I'm going to be downstairs. And I'm like, it's a shared space. So I'm like, nah. So I've only been messing around with girls who have their own place, which their place is always nicer too. So, uh, but that makes it harder. That makes it harder. So much easier when you got your own place, man. Or at least uh, if you have your own space. You know, uh-huh. but I'm not going to be doing it for that. I just, I think it's time to the whole, I was willing to make sacrifices and yeah. for reasons and I don't need to make those sacrifices anymore. So I can actually have my own place, which is what I would prefer. What I would prefer. I mean, the girls I've been messing with, they're like, I don't know, man. I attract the, the, what kind of girls do you end up attracting, man? Uh, I don't know. You don't know. You got to figure really out. You got to figure that out. You got to figure that Why? out. Because everybody has a lane, and you do really, really well with that lane. Like, my lane is, like, um, specifically educated black girls. Educated black girls. That's my lane. The ones who like to read, who are, like, master's, PhD types. The ones who are nurses, some doctors, like, higher managers. So, basically, your type. That's that's your type. I want to say it's my type. Because, like, they're not really compatible for, like, uh, a marriage thing. Because they would have to walk away from their careers if it's important to them. Which, for a lot of them, it's a part of their identity. But it is the thing I seem to attract. Because I think they're looking for a guy who can match them or even exceed them. So, 
at least in terms of intellectual capability, which I think they recognize. So I'm not saying they're dumb or anything. I'm just saying like they're looking for someone who can stimulate their brain. And so I think (laughs) the thing that they find attractive to me, attractive of me is I think it's really my brain, but that's my lane. That's my lane. And then you realize when you figure out what your lane is, you do way, way better with them than you do with all the other other the all the other types. And so it's like you can focus your attention and be more efficient if if you like those types, the types that are attracted to you, which I think most men are. So like if you can figure out what your lane is, then uh, your life becomes a lot easier. If you're interested in that kind of life, or at least just meeting women. Yeah, I haven't really been dating, you know? Um mm. it's been a while since I went on a date. So mm. I've uh, just been thinking dollar signs, bro. Mm. So. I know, because I, I did a live stream uh, last week, actually. It was so weird. I was on. I did not expect this. I only planned yeah. to be on there for like an hour and a half, I think. I yeah. was. I ended up being there for almost three and a half hours. And most of the people watching were women. It was so weird. And I was talking all the stuff that we talk about, like on the podcast of like, all right, guy. And then there was a guy asking like, yo uh you know i think i come off as like maybe too nice or whatever and then i'm just telling him all right dude you kind of got to be a little bit of an asshole and <laughs> i'm just breaking it down for him all the things i do with the online dating stuff and everything mm-hmm. and these women who are like no 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 i'm like no no no. don't listen to these women <laughs> they're wrong and then they were just dis- <laughs> and then i was like all right so here's what i do this is what i say here's what my profile looks like and they're like you know what yeah actually that could get me too <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious bro it's just funny to me like i'm i can be honest and straight up with them so here's the thing i was thinking like all the stuff that i'm saying on the table moments account i'm i think i'm offending women but i don't but maybe i'm not maybe they just appreciate the frankness and candor and the humor you know yeah so and it's funny because like even the person i try to invite for this week she really enjoys the the live streams. She really enjoys the live streams. It's crazy. And, Man, you be getting a lot of like people that stay on for a very long time. Dude, for this last one, I got people staying on for two hours, two and a half hours, two hours. Crazy, dude. Yeah, for a really long time. I don't know how the fuck I was. And the cool thing is, like, I get to learn about people too. You know. Mm-hmm. Which you normally don't get if you're a content creator. You just post content out. So like when Basso came on the podcast, he's like, yo, I know everything about you guys, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't know anything about him. Yeah. This fixes that problem. So I get to know about the people too. So I know like the guest I was going to invite on, she's studying nursing. She lives in the Bay. She has a husband, a white husband. And she's a Habesha woman. She's from Ethiopia, you know? Interesting. Yeah, and that's why I thought it would be interesting to have her on the on the podcast because, like, I'm like, yeah. ooh, how did that go? <laughs> yeah, I'm how did curious. that? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious really too. Curious. So maybe I'll try to get her next week. I, I realize there are women out there who are like me who like to troll too. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I got to find a girl like that, a girl like that who likes to troll, who likes to call bullshit as they see it, and who doesn't take life so seriously, and who doesn't care what people think. If I can find a girl like that, that'd be dope. If I could find four girls like that, that'd be even better. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. <laughs> but you're going to find your London, your London bitch, right? London. London. Wagwan. You got to at least visit London before you start thinking like, all right, I like that accent, you know? Yeah, I probably do. Mm-hmm. But uh, first comes the money, then comes the bitches, then comes the kids. You feel me? Okay. Okay. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I'm just uh, at the moment just money motivated. Yeah, I know. Money's But uh yeah, bro. I just need a breakout. I'm just trying to think like how do I take this to the next level? How do I take this to the next level? Because I really think this could be a launching platform for a lot of different things. So I'm just like, that's why I was thinking like community building. So like sharing that. I think that's what the live streams could actually be. Right? I'm like, all right, guys, I'm thinking about building this thing. How many of you guys are actually interested in this? Like with the dating app thing. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just figuring it out. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, man. It'd be dope if I could incorporate some way where I can actually like fix things. It'd be dope if I can combine software and working with my hands. I think that would be the golden thing for me personally. But I haven't quite figured out what that's what what that is yet. Something robotic. I don't know if it would be robotic. Like it needs the ability to scale because that's the scaling part. That's the leverage. You know, the ability to copy and reproduce without it costing anything is a big part of it. So that's why I came up with um, a YouTube channel idea where I go around knocking doors and saying, "Hey, I'm Dr. House. I'll fix something in your house for free as long as you let me make a video about it." And so they get a free repair, I get to make a video, and then I make the money from the media. And that's the media that scales. So I still get to work with my hands, but the media you know what scales. You what? You can break things in Occam's house and try to fix it and make a video on that. <laughs> break them, then fix it? That's funny, actually. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> break things just to fix it. Okay. <laughs> that's actually hilarious. <laughs> That would be funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I broke this stove just so I could show you how to fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go big on TikTok. Yeah. It's like, look, I, I fix everything. I don't have anything broken to fix to show you guys, so I'm going to break <laughs> things. <laughs> and then I'm going to go fix them. <laughs> oh, this that's is a funny. series of me breaking and fixing things. <laughs> yes! Oh my God, that's a hilarious <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, look, I'm gonna have to think about that one. That's fucking brilliant. That's hilarious. It never would even occur to me to break things just to fix it. <laughs> hey, first of all, people will be like, "Hey, you, you crazy? Why would you break something that's already working?" Yeah. And then second of all, they're gonna be like, "Oh, now I know how to fix that." You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like I just pulled this temperature sensor out of my fridge just so I could show you how to replace it. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, I don't know. The idea is like I get to work with my hands, but then I have a part of it that scales the media part. So it's like those combinations are interesting.